Jafar Romani, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'd like to start with your thoughts on the recent Israeli elections, the fifth poll to be held in the past four years. Benjamin Netanyahu has returned to the Prime Ministerial Office yet again, this time in coalition with the far-right religious Zionism party led by Itamar Ben-Gavir. Even the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, was caught on a microphone he thought had been turned off, uh, saying, quote, the entire world around us is worried about the entrance into government of Ben-Gavir. From a Palestinian perspective, however, how much difference do you think this is likely to make. Oppression is oppression and colonialism is colonialism after all, whether we call it left or right. Um, first of all, Alex, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's, it's not often that we Palestinians are allowed to be heard. Uh, and this is an opportunity for me as a newcomer to Perth uh, to tell Perth people and anybody who is listening in Australia uh, the, the unjust of our situation. Uh, as far as the elections are concerned, it doesn't matter whether it's left, right, or center, blue, blue or pink. Uh, the Zionist uh, uh, doctrine is to get rid of us, all of us, and to save our land totally from the river to the sea. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm here to tell everybody who wants to listen, they will never succeed. They've been trying for 100 years to get rid, rid of us. We are still there, we're still standing, and we're still resisting. What astonishes me, actually, Alex, is how, in the whole, most Western politicians are so cowed by the Zionist movement, and they would not dare to raise an eyebrow, uh, despite all the atrocities that they see every single day of the year, in front of them on television cameras. This is amazing. Well, that brings me on to my next uh, question, uh, Jafar, and just as a bit of a, a lead-in, and for those listeners who aren't familiar with the situation on the ground in Palestine, there has been a continuing wave of Israeli attacks on the Palestinian people this year with regular bombings of civilian areas in Gaza. But the focus of the occupation authorities more recently has been on the Jenin refugee camp in the West Bank, where at least 16 resistance fighters have been assassinated and dozens of civilians murdered. And earlier this week, a 29-year-old Palestinian worker, Rafat Alizar, was shot dead by Israeli soldiers on his way to work. He's now known as the martyr of daily bread. Uh, a simple question, Jafar, after that long preamble, and you've already touched on it, why is the world not paying attention? And, and as you've mentioned in terms of Western politicians, why do Western governments in particular continue to either turn a blind eye or in fact support these crimes for crimes they surely are? Um, it's, the answer is very simple. Western politicians have convinced themselves that without Zionist money and without Zionist support, they will not get into office or stay in office. Uh, I, I, if I may, I will draw the attention of your listeners to a book that was published in the 1980s um, by a, uh, an American senator. It's called They Dare to Speak Out. Uh, unfortunately, his name escapes me. It's old age, you understand. Um, he, he, in, in that book, he, he says that if you are an aspiring uh, uh, American politician and there is uh, any debate in Congress about uh, Israel, Palestine, and even if you abstain, you are considered against and you will have no hope in hell of being reelected. 
another one, uh, an African-American lady who, from Georgia, who was elected to Congress. Uh, and uh, when she went to office, they, they offered her a piece of paper to sign allegiance to Israel. And she said, I thought my allegiance are for my constituents, not for Israel, end of her career. Mm-hmm. Not only that, Western media on the whole is on their side. And if you and I say something like that, we are immediately accused of being anti-Semitic. anti-Semitic. Sure. Not, not, nothing of, of, of the sort. I'm not anti-Semitic myself. I have no um, qualm against Jews, Jews who are good people, who are brought up to believe that they, they are here on earth and they must leave it in a better place when they leave. I don't think the Zionists or religious Zionists are of that ilk at all. And this is another myth that Israel and the Zionists uh, try to tell the world, that we, the Arabs and the, the Jews, have been at each other's throats for a long time. Nothing of the sort. We live together in harmony, business, neighbors. We even marry each other. Hmm. I am married to a girl from, from Perth, whose father was a Jew. So that is a proof that the myth is just that, a myth. Absolutely. You've touched on a very big subject there, Jafar, in terms of the question of the Israeli lobby and is it about American imperialism? Is it about the Zionist lobby? That, I mean, that's a, a subject of a, of a long discussion, isn't it? But uh, I, coming on to the next question, although th- this question does actually relate to, to, the, to the power, the influence of, of the Zionist lobby, because we saw recently in Australia that the federal Labor government announced it would rescind Scott Morrison's 2018 decision to recognise West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And now, despite the fact this was a very mild decision, certainly in my opinion, a mild decision taken by the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, as it's simply in line with international law and consistent with the basic diplomatic position that the final status of Jerusalem should only be decided in a peaceful negotiated settlement, the Zionist lobby, in in a word, it it went nuts. It went crazy. It reacted with outrage. Were you pleased with Albanese's announcement, Jafar, and how significant was it, do you think? And in terms of that reaction from, from the Israeli lobby, what did you think of the, of the backlash and also the backlash from the, from the pro-Israel sections of the media? Yeah. One should be thankful for small mercies. As, as you said, I mean, it's not, nothing magnificent and nothing bad. It's, it's the status quo. This is the international law. But we must all understand, including you in the media, if you want to keep your job, that <laughs> Israel is above the law. Nothing should touch Israel. Anybody can be criticized, not Israel. And uh, the the Morrison uh, uh, administration cynically removed it for their own purposes, uh, because there was an election in, in, is it Wentworth? I forgot the name of that uh, place in, in Sydney. And and because there is a, a large... Oh, Wentworth, number. yes, sorry, Wentworth was his electorate, yes. Yes, they, they did it to, 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 to please the Jewish electorates in, in, in Sydney, and it backfired. Uh, the, 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 the situation in, in, in Jerusalem is, is, by international law and by many uh, Security Council and, and General Assembly uh, resolutions, should be, as, as, as you suggested, uh, decided through negotiations. 
But the thing is, and this takes me into another subject, which is the shameful uh, Oslo Accords. Mm. The, uh, the uh, uh, Oslo Accords stipulated that after five years of negotiations and Israel giving back land, they will start negotiating what is known as the final status. Nothing happened. Nothing. At the contrary, the situation in Palestine is worse. The Palestinian Authority is employed to police the Palestinians on behalf of the Israelis. And Mr. Abbas, who is not legitimate nor mandated, said on many times, security coordination with Israel is sacred. I, as a Palestinian, think Jerusalem is sacred. And I think Bethlehem is sacred. And I think Nazareth is sacred. A treaty with your enemy who did not fulfill any of their obligations is anything but sacred. Mm. Now, just a correction, Wentworth was not Scott Morrison's electorate. Uh, it was actually former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's electorate, but nevertheless, you're fire, you're right. That was an important electorate to the Liberals, and there was uh, some cynical electioneering involved in, in that decision to recognise West Jerusalem as, as the capital of Israel. There's no doubt about that. 15th of November is Palestinian National Day. It'll be four, 34 years since Palestinian poet Mahmoud Darwish wrote the formal declaration of Palestinian independence proclaimed by Yasser Arafat from exile in Algiers. Ahead of this very important day, what, in your view, is the current state of the Palestinian struggle for statehood and freedom? Are things, on the whole, worse or better than they were in 1988? They are much, much, much worse. We, are, we hit rock bottom and the Israelis keep pushing. They are not satisfied until, as I said before, they occupy or they steal the entire landmass of Palestine, preferably with no Palestinians in it. Unfortunately, Yasser Arafat, God bless his soul, Yesterday was the anniversary, the 18th anniversary of his demise. Um, uh, there are many theories uh, how uh, uh, he was uh, got rid of. Uh, I have my own, but I will not air it at the moment because that is not important. His gun, Palestine is here, is not about personalities, is not about uh, political uh, parties, it's not about movements, it's about the land and the people. And my people are steadfast. And they have sacrificed for the last hundred years. They will continue to sacrifice. And I said at the top of this interview, the Israelis, the Zionists and their backers will never, ever win. And for the benefit of the listeners, there's actually a special uh, Arab word for this. And forgive me, I'm not, I'm not an Arab speaker myself, Jafar, but Samud. Uh, steadfastness is what Palestinians refer to in terms of their resistance to uh, Israeli uh, occupation. Uh, I feel I could probably talk to you for hours, Jafar, but we'll have to, to, to wrap it up. And I want to finish on a personal note, which is that you experienced the Nakba, the catastrophe, the ethnic cleansing of Palestine by the new state of Israel as a young boy in, in 1948. We discussed earlier the Israeli assaults taking place in Jenin. Jenin is, happens to be your hometown. Uh, how does it feel as a long-suffering Palestinian refugee yourself to witness the suffering of your people from so far afield, you know, here in Perth? Um, well, look, Alex, it's extremely painful, but 
so profoundly proud of them. So I know I know my people. I I when 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 the Nakba uh, the catastrophe of the loss of Palestine happened in 1948, I was five, and I remember it uh, as if it were yesterday. And I remember the Haganah and the forces and the aeroplanes coming and dropping leaflets to say to us, leave or die, and the tanks and the, the armor personnel carriers and the, the, the guns and the bombs. And we were fleeing through the mountains to a place of safety. But eventually, Jenin was liberated in 1948 by the Iraqi forces and the Jordanian forces. Uh, and there are lots of publications about this, Alex, how the leadership of the Arab armies led them down and asked them to stop. Uh, uh, and we all know why, because most of the Arabs, uh, Arab armies in Egypt and Jordan and Saudi Arabia were manned by British officers. Mm. Uh, so how could they fight something they have created? Uh, and uh, we came back, and, and they never forgave us, because Jenin is in a place called Marj ibn Amr. Marj being a, a, a flat land. It's, it's, it's the Garden of Eden. It's in your Bible, the land of, 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 of milk and honey. And they lost after it, and they haven't got it. So this is the price that's gone away. And they have been raiding us since the 1950s, and we've been resisting since the 1950s. And, uh, and just, to, just to go back a little bit to, uh, to Yasser Arafat, when Yasser Arafat smuggled himself into Palestine, he hid in Jenin, and he was uh, directing the, the Intifada from Jenin. We are rebellious people. We are very proud people. We are just people. We do not scorn or disregard anybody and we are very hospitable and generous and our doors are open to everybody and that's what we thought the jews were coming to palestine in the 19 in the early 1900s were seeking refuge and a, a place of safety to discover that they are actually coming to replace us and get rid of us and steal our land that's not on